May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Ryan Loxmo. Good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. My name is Ryan. I'm the small groups pastor here. And uh, really glad you're with us today as we wrap up our series, uh, Ordinary to Extraordinary, in which we have looked at the life of Peter. Uh, Peter was uh, Jesus' right-hand man, the leader of the 12 disciples. And we've seen a lot in this series. We've seen uh, how Peter came from this very ordinary background. He was just an average guy. He was a fisherman. He was not like this spiritual superhero. And Christ called him to a very extraordinary life. And uh, we've seen some highlights in his journey and some really tough moments as well. Um, in his journey, and uh, we found inspiration in the fact that uh, we don't have to be perfect. Peter wasn't perfect, we don't have to either, and that in our journey following Christ, it's gonna be a process that Jesus walks through uh, with us. And today, we're gonna look at the final chapter in Peter's story. Um, It's a story of Peter's greatest failure, but also of his restoration. And uh, we're gonna see God's grace and his love and his patience uh, it's a very inspiring story of hope uh, and redemption. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like we don't have enough redemption stories out there in our culture. Uh, I feel like we kind of uh, celebrate when people fall. You know, we see this every time a politician or a celebrity or somebody makes a big mistake in their life or something goes wrong. I feel like our whole culture is just ready to be like, aha, I knew that wasn't a good person, and now I have the proof. I feel like that is a little bit more of our posture, and uh, I, just, I just wish there were more stories of redemption and restoration out there in our culture, especially uh, when it involves Christ followers, because it's amazing the life change that can happen. And uh, years ago, I had a chance to see one of these stories uh, firsthand, and it was a very moving, um, impactful moment in my life, in my spiritual journey. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was growing up, I went to a church in Dallas, and there was a woman who was on the worship team, and every week she was up on the stage singing. She had this incredible voice. Uh, she actually had like a recording contract. I mean, she was an unbelievable singer, and she was a very visible presence at our church every single week. And um, one week, I noticed that she hadn't been there for a handful of weeks on Sunday, and that was a little strange because she was always there. And time went on and like she wasn't coming back and a lot of people kind of wondered what had happened. Uh, It turned out that she had been unfaithful to her husband and the church had asked her to step back for a season out of kind of upfront visible leadership so that she could have the space to repair her relationship with her husband and seek the Lord and just begin to heal from that. And um, after two years of that process, one Sunday she sat on the stage Uh, with our pastor, and she told her story. And um, she talked about how she had gone through this incredibly difficult period. And our pastor explained how she had uh, given herself over to a process of mentorship and spiritual guidance, and they had gone through family counseling, and they just worked and worked. And this Sunday, as she sat on the stage, she was being restored to full leadership in our church, and it was this amazing moment where she told her story, and then our senior pastor handed her a microphone, and she walked out to the front of the stage, and with tears streaming down her face, sang this amazing song about grace and love, and I mean, it was just an amazing moment in the life of our church, and it was a great illustration of what the gospel is. And uh, this final chapter we're going to look at today in Peter's life Uh, is that, it's a redemption story. And uh, I can't overstate 
how important it is that we truly absorb this story and what happened because it illustrates what the gospel of Jesus Christ looks like played out in our messy lives in the midst of our failures. It's really important. So we're gonna walk through this uh, final chapter today. I imagine some of this story uh, many of you are gonna be familiar with, and, and my prayer is that all of us could, could hear this in a fresh way, uh, that the Lord would really just impact our hearts in a new way uh, this morning as we look at it. So we're gonna look at this kind of final season in Peter's life in kind of three scenes. Um, it's too long to kind of go through all of it in depth, so I'm gonna just talk you through kind of the first part of it, and then we've got two passages printed in your notes that we're going to look at a little bit more closely. Uh, but I just want to kind of start out and tell you uh, how we got there. Uh, so this final chapter in Peter's life uh, begins in a dimly lit room in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus knew that he was going to be arrested soon and put on trial. And he was having one final meal with his disciples. And in that meal, he said to them, when I'm arrested, like you guys are gonna be scattered, you're all going to abandon me. And Peter, you know, usually the one to speak up first, is like, not me, I will never abandon you, that's not gonna happen. And then Jesus says to him, well actually by the end of the night, you're gonna pretend you don't even know me three times. And Peter's like, no, that's not gonna happen, I will die for you. And most of us know what ended up happening, but uh, the, Soldiers came and arrested Jesus. Peter followed uh, at a distance, and uh, the text describes how when Jesus was being uh, interrogated um, by the Jewish ruling uh, parties there, uh, Peter sat outside and he warmed himself by the fire next to some of the other guards. And as it became clear that the trial was not gonna go in Jesus' direction, Peter began to distance himself even more, and there were crowds gathering, and people started to say, hey, you're that guy I saw with Jesus, right? You're one of those Galileans. And Peter, just like Jesus predicted, three times said, that's not me. I don't know who you're, you must have mixed me up with somebody else. I don't know, Jesus. He said that three times. In the hour of Jesus' greatest need, uh, Peter pretended he didn't even know him. Uh, Peter was not there when uh, Jesus was interrogated by the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Uh, Peter was not there when they flogged Jesus to within an inch of his life. Uh, Peter was not there when Jesus struggled to carry his heavy cross through the crowded city streets of Jerusalem. Peter was not there when they nailed Jesus to the cross. He was not there when they took his body off of the cross. Uh, he was not there when they buried Jesus. Somebody else did that. Peter had abandoned his Lord in his time of greatest need. And then a couple days later, I imagine very dark days in Peter's life, he heard from some women that the tomb was empty and that an angel had appeared to them and said that Jesus was alive. And Peter raced to the tomb and it was in fact empty. And over the next several days, Jesus started appearing to them, usually in groups, uh, the disciples, and it was clear that he was alive. And Peter, of course, was happy about that, but the guilt of what he had done was still weighing on him. And so Peter and a handful of the other disciples went back north to their home, to Galilee. And uh, as you can imagine, they were still processing this whole thing that had happened. Jesus dying, them abandoning him, him coming back to life. What does this all mean for the rest of their future? 
And so they're processing this, and they're back in their hometown. And that brings us to our second scene of this kind of final chapter in Peter's life. And this is in your notes, so pull out your notes if you haven't already. And I want to give you the first fill-in before we look at this passage, uh, just so you kind of see where we're headed with this. Uh, Number one, Jesus calls us out of our brokenness and shame. Jesus calls us out of our brokenness and shame. I'm going to read through this. I'm going to have you underline a handful of things um, as we go through, and then I'll come back and comment on what we underlined. So it starts out, uh, Peter's in his hometown there. He says, I'm going out to fish. Would you underline that? I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. That night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Underline that, the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. Underline that, jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Did you underline that last little phrase? Come and have breakfast. So here's what's going on. Peter went fishing. I mean, that's what he did for a living before he started following Christ. It doesn't explain why exactly he went fishing, why this was what he thought was the right thing to do. But my suspicion is it's because he was still broken over what had happened. And he went back to what he knew, which is fishing. It was a, a comfort to him. He, he, he retreated to something that was familiar. And don't we do that all the time in our life? When we are broken, something bad happens, something confusing happens, we don't know what God is up to, we retreat to things that are familiar, that are easy, predictable, comfortable. You know, maybe for you, that's your work. That that's an easy place for you to lose yourself and bury any brokenness or shame or guilt or hurt that you have in your life. Or, or maybe for you, you throw yourself into your kids' activities and you get them on all the most amazing teams this community has to offer and you literally fill up your entire schedule with your kids' activities so there is zero margin for you. There is no time for you to hear anything from the Lord or listen to the own thoughts inside your head about your hurt or your brokenness. Uh, maybe you just work on your house all the time. It's just constantly working on your house and that's the thing you go to that, that you fill time with. Or you just fill up your calendar with social activities. Every moment that you're not at work, you're hanging out with somebody. You're, you've got a social activity on your, your calendar. Or maybe for you it's drinking or some other destructive behavior that you turn to to escape. But this is the question. What's your version of going fishing like Peter did? Because that's what he did. You know, when you're broken, when you feel distant from God, 
What do you run to? I mean, we've all been there. Peter was there. And so he's out there fishing on his boat, like he had done many times in his life. And there's this guy on the shore calling out like advice about fishing to him. And he doesn't know who it is. It's early in the morning. It's probably still dark. And he says, hey, throw the net out on the other side of the boat. And he does. And they have this miraculous catch of fish. Does that sound familiar to you? That little scene right there? Well, it's because in the first uh, message in this series, we talked about when Peter first followed Christ. And this same sort of thing happened where he hadn't caught anything all night and Jesus said, hey, throw the nets out again. And Peter said, okay, if you say so. And then he had this miraculous catch of fish so much that it said that the boats were sinking. They were so heavy. And so this happened again. They knew it was Jesus because he called out to throw out the nets and they were full of fish. They knew it was Christ. They had gone full circle back to Galilee where it all started and once again, a miraculous catch of fish. And I will say in one of my favorite moments from the whole Bible that I find incredibly moving, um, when Peter realizes that it's Jesus, he just throws himself in the water. Just this act of desperation and love. He just needed to be near Jesus. He just didn't even think about it. He just jumped in the water. It actually reminds me a little bit of the scene in Forrest Gump when Forrest is on his shrimp boat, like way out on the water, and he gets on the radio, and he hears that his mom is sick, and he just dives overboard. It's like he didn't even think about it. I mean, he's just overcome with emotion, and that's what we see with Peter here. And he swims to the shore, and I love the way it describes how the boat's like not that far from shore. He probably could have gotten there faster by staying in the boat, but he just jumped over and swam anyway. And he makes it to shore, and there's Jesus warming himself by the fire. And Jesus says, come and eat breakfast eat breakfast. And even in this moment when Jesus has been resurrected and his disciples had abandoned him, he is still serving them. He is still serving them and setting that example of leadership. And, you know, he called out to Peter. Peter was out on the water and he said, come in here, come have breakfast with me. And it reminds me of when he first called the disciples, first called Peter and he said, come and see, follow me. And so here Jesus is calling Peter back to him even after everything he had done. And here's the thing. Jesus calls us out of our brokenness and our shame. He calls us out of it. That's why he died for us. He died in the most public, humiliating, painful, shameful way possible, crucifixion. And he did that to pay the penalty for all of our sins, for all of time, so that there'd be no barrier between us and God and we could be in a relationship with him and experience the life-changing relationship with Christ that he allowed us to have. You see, God sees our brokenness. He sees through the facades that we put up in our life. I love in Isaiah, it says, even though your sins are like scarlet, they will be made as white as snow. It's an amazing picture. I mean, it also says that we are made a new creation when Christ comes into our life and saves us. You don't have to bear shame, guilt, brokenness anymore on your own if you have Christ. In fact, Jesus says, if you are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest. You see, if you are broken, if you feel shame, guilt, Jesus wants to take that from you and give you rest. If you are, right now in your life 
are out on the waters of shame. You are floating on that sea of brokenness that Peter was on. Jesus is standing on the shore calling to you to come back to him. And he's called all of us. He wants you to lay down your burdens. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to save yourself. Jesus does that. And we've uh, printed for you on the back of your message notes a sample prayer to answer that call and become a Christ follower if you're not. And it's not a magical prayer. It's an example of the kind of prayer you can pray. It's very simple. You ask God to forgive you and say, come into my life, save me, take my burdens, I trust you. And you will be saved. The Bible is very clear about that. And you can have a relationship with God now and the hope of eternity in heaven with him. It's amazing. And so if you don't know Christ, pray that prayer today. He is calling to you. He's just waiting for you to answer. And so Jesus, he calls all of us out of our brokenness. He called Peter out of his brokenness. And now he's going to go a step further and restore Peter. Because number two, in God's eyes, we are never beyond restoration. In God's eyes, we are never beyond restoration. So Jesus uh, is having this breakfast with his you know, disciples, and he's going to now have a private conversation with Peter. One-on-one. They're on the beach. They're going to talk. And so I'm going to read to you the passage, and then we're going to look a little bit at, at some of the significance John 21, 15 and following, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Would you, would you underline, underline that for me, that whole phrase? Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time, and I want you to underline that, the third time. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. I want you to underline that, follow me. So here's what's happening in this little exchange. He has this one-on-one conversation with Peter and he calls him Simon, son of John, which we've seen in the series was Peter's real name because Peter is a nickname that Jesus gave him that meant rock. And Peter hadn't really been earning that nickname recently. And so Jesus calls him his real name, which I imagine stung a little bit for Peter to hear that. And uh, I think that that shows that true restoration, biblical restoration involves some pain. I mean, it's not an easy process to go through restoration and redemption. And Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? In other words, do you love me more than the other disciples do? Because Peter had constantly claimed that he was the most devoted, that he would follow Jesus if everybody else fell away. And Jesus is saying, is that really true? Do you really love me that much? And he asks him three times if he loves him. One for each time Peter denied knowing him. He asks, 
Do you really love me? And here's the thing. Jesus did not minimize the offense that had happened when Peter denied knowing him. No, Jesus led him right through the painful middle of what had been done toward reconciliation and redemption that was on the other side. That's what Jesus did. And then he asks Peter to take care of his sheep, to show him that he loves him. In other words, show me you love me by taking care of the people I love. That's what he was saying to Peter. And Jesus wraps up by predicting um, how Peter would die. And then he, he finishes with, follow me, which is the exact phrase he used when he first called the disciples. So Jesus is restoring Peter. He is asking him once again, follow me. And by the way, Jesus sought Peter out for this restoration. Jesus went after him and called him back to follow him because we are never beyond restoration in God's eyes. God says yes to you coming back to him. So if you're saying no for him, if you think that what you've done, you could never get back close to God or he would never love you or you're just too far away to come back, that's you talking. That's not God talking. God wants you to come back to him. He has a purpose for you, just like he had a purpose for Peter. And maybe you have been forgiven and you've been through a restoration, redemption experience like this. Tell your story. Tell your story. You have no idea how God might use your story of forgiveness, redemption, restoration to impact somebody else's life. I encourage you to tell that story. And it's amazing to see when you read the book of Acts. The book of Acts uh, talks about the early church. It kind of picks up right where this leaves off. And we get to see Peter's life after he was restored by Christ. And it's amazing to see, uh, you know, Peter was like running scared during Jesus' trial and his, his execution. And, and then in the book of Acts, Peter is now the, he really is the rock. He is like the leader of the early church and he is boldly preaching to the religious authorities, the very people who crucified Jesus, the same ones. And he is just no fear because the Holy Spirit is just using him in these powerful ways. And it's because he was restored to that role that he was able to do that, that God was able to work through him like that. You can read about all that in the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. It's an amazing, amazing uh, section of scripture. But I want to conclude today and uh, this whole series by fast forwarding to the end of Peter's life. Um, three decades after that conversation on the beach, uh, when Jesus restored Peter fully uh, to his ministry, the church had grown from a small community of believers in Israel to a movement that spanned the entire Mediterranean world. And as Christianity grew, the Romans were not particularly happy about it because Christians would not say, Caesar is Lord. They wouldn't, because Jesus is Lord. And they wouldn't say that the emperor was divine. And this was viewed by the Roman authorities as unpatriotic. And so there was a lot of suspicion about Christians in those days, a lot of persecution. And uh, in the year 64 AD, there was a fire, a devastating fire that swept through Rome and destroyed huge portions of that city. And the Roman emperor Nero who was a crazy person, I mean truly delusional, um, he 
made it his business to round up Christians. He blamed them for the fire. He scapegoated them. And he rounded up Christians and he began to execute them in very uh, public ways and sporting arenas uh, for entertainment. And Peter happened to be in Rome during that series of events. And so he was arrested. And uh, Peter knew what was coming. Jesus had predicted it back in that conversation on the beach. And so uh, Peter was arrested and he was taken to what was called the Circus of Nero, uh, which would have looked something like this. It was, uh, the Roman circus was a, uh, a stadium where they would do chariot races and that kind of stuff. And in front of a large crowd, for entertainment purposes, Peter was crucified. And in fact, some of the early sources say that he did not consider himself worthy to, to die in the same way that Jesus did, so he was crucified upside down. And we know from historical records that Christians were often given the chance to escape death if they would simply say, Caesar is Lord, and they could do that up to the very end. They, they, they had that out if they wanted it, and Peter did not take it. Jesus restored him to his ministry, and through the Holy Spirit, Peter was able to lead for three decades in the early church and profess Christ even as they were nailing him to a cross. He had denied Jesus 30 years earlier, but he didn't now. And after he died, they took his body to a nearby hill where there was a cemetery. Uh, This hill happened to be called Vatican Hill. And he was buried there in a shallow grave. And today, this is built on top of Peter's remains, St. Peter's Basilica, in, in what became Vatican City. Uh, and the Romans, back then, tried to extinguish Christianity, and they would have never guessed that 2,000 years later, that would be built over the remains of Jesus' lead disciple, and all of their glorious palaces would be in ruins. They would have never guessed that. See, Jesus took Peter from a very ordinary life to an extraordinary life. It wasn't an easy life. Peter stumbled, but God was always there to pick him up, to show grace, to restore him. And Jesus does the same for us. He calls us to an extraordinary life of following him. And when we stumble, he's there to pick us up. And what I find really inspiring about Peter's story is it's really not about Peter. It's about Christ, It's not about what Peter did. It's about what Christ did through Peter and how awesome and majestic and loving and gracious Jesus is. And that same Christ who called Peter to an extraordinary life and restored him when he stumbled big time, that same Christ has called all of us to that extraordinary life of following him. And he'll be there to walk with us through every step of that life. He'll smooth out our rough edges. He'll pick us up when we fall. He'll take our burdens just like he did for Peter. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everything you did through Peter's life and that we are able to be inspired by it. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who specializes in redemption and restoration, that we are never too far from you to hear your voice. Lord, that you call us back to you out of our shame, out of our brokenness. That in your eyes, we are never beyond restoration, Lord. And I pray that the truth of that would impact our hearts and stay with us, Lord. And it would motivate us to seek after you with our whole hearts, our whole lives. 
And I just pray that the story of Peter, of who he was, would just stay with us. And when we are tempted to feel like we have to earn your love or be perfect, that we would be reminded of his story. And Lord, I pray that you would take our burdens, that you would give us rest, that we would hear your voice. We thank you for your love, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.